beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but I have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. May God continue to bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts, minds, and our very souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. Enter into this story with me, this story of Jesus calling his first disciples Imagine you're there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee amidst the crowd. What do you see? What do you smell? How are you feeling? Well, if you're one of the spectators in the crowd, perhaps you've come because you're curious about what you've been hearing about this man named Jesus. There are rumors that he healed a man possessed by demons in Capernaum. There's a story circulating that he visited Simon, the fisherman's home, and healed his mother-in-law, who had been suffering from a severe fever. So yes, maybe you're curious, but also maybe a little afraid. For how could a man possibly be driving out demons and healing people with a simple touch? Or maybe you're a bit uncomfortable being in such a large crowd, pushed up against one another after a long day of work, and, start, and folks are starting, frankly, to bit smell a bit from sweat and stale fish. But you persevere because you're intrigued and you want to hear what this strange man has to say. Now imagine you're Simon, who will soon be called Peter. You're a fisherman who has been up all night and you are exhausted. Every muscle and bone in your body aches from putting those heavy nets in and out of the water. Your legs are sore from bracing yourself to keep from being tossed overboard from your boat amidst the very rough and choppy water. You're tired of the stench of fish, which just adds insult to injury because even though you can smell the fish, your nets have come up empty every single time. And you're so discouraged and worried because with no fish, how will you feed your family? And could James and John just stop bickering over whose fault it is they couldn't catch any fish? And just when you think you can go ashore, clean your nets, 
call it a day, this man named Jesus comes along and asks you to take him back out on his boat. I imagine Peter turning away from this man and rolling his eyes and thinking, really? Are you kidding me? I just want to go home. But as he turns back to Jesus, he says, well, okay, if you say so. But maybe, just maybe, Peter is beginning to sense that this is no ordinary man. After all, he did heal his mother-in-law, and this large, curious crowd is gathered to hear him. Otherwise, tired and weary, why would Peter have bothered to go back out? And as we wonder about Peter, let's wonder about our own experiences. When have you been this exhausted and discouraged, but you persevered and did the thing you were being asked to do? Was it all those evenings when your newborn baby was crying in the wee hours of the night, when all you longed for was a few more moments of sleep, but you pulled your weary body out of bed for the sake of your beloved little one? Or was it those long days and nights spent caring for an ailing loved one? And not only was your body aching, but your heart was aching as well to see your dear one suffer. Or maybe it was all those days you spent training and ultimately running that marathon because you were motivated to raise money for your favorite charity. Or like one of the women in our Thursday morning book group who texted me last week, just as we were about to begin, said, I'm really sorry, but I just can't make it tonight. Several of us have just spent the day cleaning and moving in the furniture and household items for the apartment that we've set up for the Venezuelan family. So I'm lying flat on the floor, trying to heal my aching back. She may have said she was having a glass of wine too. <laughs> Whatever. Bone weary and fighting off the emotional fatigue, you rose to feed the baby, you took good and tender care of your loved one, you ran the marathon and crossed the finish line, or you pushed through the exhaustion of a day of faithful and loving discipleship to provide a warm, comfortable home for a stranger. Whatever your story, I think we can all relate to how Peter must have been feeling when Jesus asked him to do this one more thing. But of course, this one more thing turned into a life transformed. So Peter agrees to take Jesus out to sea, and if taking him out there wasn't enough, Jesus asks him to drop his nets, even though Peter tries to convince Jesus there's nothing to catch. And then it happens. Not only are there fish in the net, there are so many fish that Peter has to call in his cranky fishing buddies to help as the weight of the fish begins to sink the boats. Well, Peter now understands that he is in the presence of not just any man, he is in the presence of the divine. And his initial response is not awe, it is fear. And Peter falls to his knees and confesses, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter fears that because of his imperfections, he's not worthy to be in the company of such holiness. But Jesus says to Peter what Jesus says to all of us, do not be afraid, follow me. This is Peter's story, and it is our story. We'll be hearing about Peter's journey all through Lent, but at this point in his journey, I have to wonder, did Jesus ask Peter to help because he knew Peter would say yes? Or did Jesus go in search of any person whose heart could be transformed by his words, by his mere presence? Do you think there was something missing in Peter's life, something he was longing for that he didn't even realize what it was 
until he was in the presence of such divinity. We may never know for sure, but whatever it was, it was so profound that Peter and his fishing partners left everything behind and followed him. So what might we be longing for, either physically or spiritually? Are our hearts open to holy possibility? Well, the creators of our sermon series this Lent have named Peter's journey Wandering Heart. Wandering, of course, infers an openness, a receptivity to whatever this journey will hold. But I also think this is the beginning of Peter's pilgrimage. This season of Lent can be our pilgrimage as one of Christ's disciples as well. Pilgrimage is a religious journey, a holy expedition, if you will. Pilgrimage is often described as an individual's journey through life, sometimes as a general description of personal growth and exploration, but more often in the context of faith, it's a spiritual journey or pathway, which is believed to lead to an encounter with God. We hear in Psalm 84, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. It was exactly 10 years ago this week that Rich and I had the privilege of leading a group from this congregation group of pilgrims to the Holy Land. And it was on Ash Wednesday of that week when we were scheduled to board a small boat to sail across the Sea of Galilee to the Mount of Beatitudes. Well, did I mention the boat was a bit small and maybe even a bit rickety and the water was rough and what I had failed to tell Rich was that I tend to get motion sickness. And what Rich failed to tell me is that he sometimes suffers from the same affliction. I found myself hanging back, wondering if I had the nerve to actually get on the boat. I began thinking that I would actually make a run for it, catch an Uber, and meet them on the other side. And then I noticed Rich hanging back. And I'm sure everyone else thought that we were just being so polite and letting everyone else get on the boat ahead of us. With only the two of us left on the dock, we nervously confessed to each other that we were afraid to get on the boat. We realized, as so-called leaders of this group, that we couldn't quickly untie the boat and just push them out to sea without us, as much as we were tempted to, well, at least I was tempted to. But we faced our fears, and we got on the boat, and midway across, the most unexpected thing happened. The boat captain cut the engine and announced, okay, this is where you'll be having your Ash Wednesday service. Rich and I began mouthing to one another, did you plan an Ash Wednesday service? Because I didn't plan an Ash Wednesday service, did you? We shrugged our shoulders, we pulled out our Bibles. I have to mention that the Bible that Rich had was the Reverend Catherine Price's Bible. We said some prayers, and then out of nowhere, someone began singing Amazing Grace. I never knew who it was but it was the most profound Ash Wednesday I have ever experienced floating on the Sea of Galilee, just like Peter and Jesus. And just like one of Jesus's miracles, none of us were seasick. And that boat ride across the Sea of Galilee is the story of discipleship. We are sometimes unsure. We are often afraid of what is being asked of us worried we simply are too exhausted to do what is being asked of us. We sometimes feel a bit queasy, 
We're not completely sure of what to expect, and we'll stumble. We'll stumble onto the boat, and we'll stumble throughout the journey. We even might consider cutting our losses and running for the hills, leaving the rest of our fellow travelers to fend for themselves. But if we hear God's message, do not be afraid. After all, we hear that at least 365 times in the Bible, we can find the courage to begin or to begin once more. If we open our eyes and ears and hearts to the possibilities this journey of discipleship presents, we may be overcome by moments of wonder and awe. And just like people, not, or just like Peter, not only will God be with us, but our fellow travelers will be there by our sides. And when we can't find the strength to pray or sing, someone out of nowhere will begin to sing Amazing Grace. And deep in our soul, we'll experience God's profound and abundant grace. Peter's invitation to follow Jesus is our invitation as well. This journey of Lent is an opportunity for each of us to ponder anew our discipleship. It's an invitation that requires our response. Perhaps you'll reread and prayerfully consider our congregation's mission statement, which begins, joined as a congregation through the grace and teachings of Jesus Christ, we are called as disciples. In fact, that mission statement is in the front of our hymnals. Sometime throughout Lent, take a look at it. It's on our website. Perhaps pray over it sometime during Lent. Maybe you'll attend a worship service more. Maybe you'll share your own story of faith with a neighbor, a friend, or family member. Maybe you'll contribute your time or talent to a cause for justice. Perhaps you'll ask for forgiveness. Perhaps you'll offer forgiveness. Or maybe there is something we've missed in that call to discipleship that you'd like to prayerfully consider on your own. However your wandering heart moves through this holy season of Lent, hear Jesus's words just as Peter did so very long ago. Do not be afraid. Follow me, won't you? I would love to have you by my side as we go fishing together. Amen. Custom and conviction of this congregation to practice an open communion.